Scott. I do appreciate uh, the prayers. Uh, we will be here in church next Sunday, and then the last couple of weekends of April we'll be out of town, and then the first Sunday of May is when I'll be preaching every week at Cedar Hill for a while. Don't know how long it'll be. It's however long it takes for them to find uh, their, their next pastor. Um, so I've spoken there some already, and they just wanted continuity in the pulpit every week, so I said that I would do that. But, uh, but we'll just, you just won't see us on Sunday morning for a while, but we're not leaving First Christian, and when all that's done, we'll be back here. So. But I, do, I am glad to uh, have this opportunity to speak today here. And uh, this, this is, for believers, the best day of the year. Because Easter is what our faith is all about. Uh, it's the bedrock of our faith. And, and as we read Scripture, everything in Scripture either points to or rests on the resurrection of Jesus. It's the foundation of who we are in Christ and what we're about. So I'm glad that you're here today on the greatest day of the year in the church because everything happens to point to Easter and beyond. The back of our bulletin, worship guide, 3C Life Weekly, whatever you happen to call it, has our message big idea. Jesus' death and resurrection conquered sin in order to restore creation and advance God's mission in the world. Our scripture lesson comes from John 20, the first 18 verses. I invite you to follow along either in your print Bible or your electronic version or on the wall. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid Him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, 
but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This morning we're going to take a trip together. We're going to go back to the garden. And like any trip, we have a starting point, and our starting point actually begins thousands of years ago in the Garden of Eden. The story of Genesis, the book of Genesis in the beginning, the creation account says that in the beginning God created a garden in the east, Eden. And when He made Adam and Eve, He put them in the garden. And the first job, the first example of work in the Bible was for Adam to take care of the garden. God put Adam in the garden to tend it, to care for it. Adam, uh, God created Eve so that Adam wouldn't be alone. And there in the garden, there were lots and lots of trees, but there were two very special trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And God told the first couple, I'm going to give you one rule, just one. You can eat from any tree in the garden except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, you know how it is when you tell somebody don't do something. If you've ever had children, and we've all been children, the snake comes along, if you know the story. Eve takes the forbidden fruit. She eats it, gives some to her husband. He eats it, and now their eyes were opened. Because they've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now they have knowledge that they are naked. And so they cover themselves with fig leaves. And then they hide. They hide from God when they hear Him walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Later that day. Because that's what sin does. Sin infects us with fear. Sin causes us to hide from God, the one who loves us most. But sin also inflicts other consequences besides fear. And sometimes those consequences are temporary and sometimes they are permanent. And in this case, these consequences were permanent because God issued a lifetime ban from the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve. He did not want them to eat from the tree of life while they were in their sinful state. And so He banished them from the Garden of Eden. 
and the Scripture doesn't tell us, but I have to wonder. Sin is now in the world, and Adam and Eve are no longer there to tend the garden. How long did it take before weeds began to grow and overrun the garden and spread their ugliness? Jesus' death and resurrection conquered sin in order to restore creation and advance God's mission in the world. To do that, Jesus went back to the garden. Jesus went back to the garden because that's where the problem started. In the garden, under a tree, Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. And then among the trees, they hid from their father as they heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. On a tree, because where does a cross come from? The wood made from a tree. Jesus died to pay for sin. But before Jesus did that, before Jesus sacrificed His life on the cross, He made another sacrifice. He sacrificed His will in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane. It was Thursday night. Jesus shared the Last Supper with the twelve disciples. And then Judas Iscariot slipped out into the darkness to go betray Jesus. Jesus and the other eleven then went to the Mount of Olives. And there on the Mount of Olives was a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus went to pray. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve prayed, Lord, not Your will, but ours be done. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Father, not My will, but Yours be done. The beginning of the 18th chapter of John's Gospel tells us that Judas Iscariot knew exactly where to go to find Jesus. Jesus and the temple guards did not have to go all around the countryside hunting for Jesus. They knew right where to go because that's where Jesus went on a regular basis to pray. And that's where Judas brought the temple guards. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss and Jesus was arrested there was the sham of a trial. And the next day on Good Friday, Jesus was crucified. For six long hours, He hung on the old rugged cross. When He died, 
The 19th chapter of John's Gospel tells us this in verse 41 and 42. John 19, beginning in verse 41. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. That was Friday evening. Saturday was the Jewish Sabbath, so everybody stayed away from the cemetery. And then on Sunday morning, everything changed. Peter and John ran to the tomb. They, they looked inside, and it was empty. And Mary Magdalene was outside the tomb, and Peter and John saw the tomb was empty, and then they, they went back home. And Mary stood outside weeping. And finally she looked inside the tomb. And, but this time she saw something. She saw two people in there. Two angels dressed in white. And, and they asked her, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? She said, I, my Lord, I, he's not here. I don't know where they've laid him, where they took him. He's supposed to be here, he's not. And then Mary sensed that somebody was behind her and she, she turned and, and there was a man standing there and she thought he was the gardener and, and he said, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And she said, I, I'm looking for my Lord. I, he, he was in here and now He's not and they took Him away and I don't know where, where He is. And sir, if you've taken Him away, tell me where you put Him and I'll go get Him. Because Mary at this point didn't recognize who it was. And then this mystery man said one word that changed her life forever. Mary. When he said her name, everything changed. The 10th chapter of John's Gospel tells us that Jesus says, I'm the Good Shepherd. If you have any experience with sheep, I don't, but what I hear and what I read is, is that sheep will come to the shepherd or will come to the person uh, who takes care of them. They recognize the voice. And so this is a safe person. And, and when the shepherd or the caretaker calls them, the person who loves them and cares for them, they'll come. But if a stranger comes up, the sheep won't respond. They don't know that voice. And when a familiar voice comes and calls us by name, what a difference that makes. Because there are times when, when all kinds of sound comes into our ears, just comes in, comes in, comes in, overload, and, and we just tune it out. But if we hear our name, it's like the express lane of a busy interstate which just zips right through our auditory canal and gets right to our eardrum. And that's what happened. Jesus talked to her. 
Woman, why are you crying? Who are you seeking? She still didn't know who it was. But when Jesus says, Mary, instant recognition. And then she realized it was Jesus. Christ the Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Jesus' death and resurrection conquered sin in order to restore creation and advance God's mission in the world. Jesus went back to the garden because in the beginning, the first man, the first woman, they chose their will over God's will and that's rebellion. We call that sin. My will, not yours, Father. Sin. It's not a mistake. It's not a, a bad choice. You know, a bad choice is, is to eat a chili cheeseburger and a large order onion rings before you get on one of those roller coasters at Dollywood. That's a bad choice. Okay? An error is when the ball rolls through your, your, uh, the infielder. Okay, and that's an error, a mistake. You forget to write down the money you took out of the bank in your checkbook. No, this is sin. And we don't like to use the S word. Oh, sin, that's too preachy. Well, get over it because that's the truth. It's sin. And Jesus went back to the garden because the wages of sin is death. He went back to the garden because God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He went back to the garden. In the Garden of Eden, the fellowship between man and God was broken. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the, the fellowship between man and God began to be restored. And then in the garden outside the empty tomb, Jesus finished reconciling God and man. In the creation garden, Adam and Eve hid from the Lord. In the prayer garden, Jesus clung to the Lord. And in the resurrection garden, Mary Magdalene clung to Jesus. Jesus said, Do not cling to Me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to My brothers and say to them, I am ascending to My Father and your Father, to My God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that He had said these things to her. I have seen the Lord. You see, Jesus' death and resurrection conquered sin in order to restore creation and advance God's mission in the world. And I have seen the Lord as the first step in advancing God's mission. How can God's mission advance if the other disciples don't know that Jesus is alive again? You know, Mary knows. She's seen Jesus. She's talked to Him. But the other disciples don't know yet. The other followers of Jesus don't know this news. How can God's mission advance if Mary just hangs out 
at the empty tomb and decides to turn it into some kind of memorial shrine. You know, as of right this moment, it's a good day for Mary because her tears are dried and her eyes are bright and her once quivering lips are now wide open in a smile. But what about all those other people who don't know what she knows? What about them? What about the people who are, are lost? Those who are in darkness? Those who are struggling with, with old failures, with, with past mistakes, with missed opportunities? And, and they keep replaying those scenes in their head again and again and again, hoping that maybe the ending will be different, but it never is. You know, it, it, it sounds almost trivial, but it's true. Why did our Creator put our eyes here and not here? Why is it that when we get behind the wheel of a car, the windshield is like this and the rearview mirror is like this? Jesus told Mary, go. Go and tell my brothers, I'm alive. Look ahead. You can't stay here. Quit looking back into the empty tomb. I'm not here. If you want to see me, you've got to go forward. You've got to look ahead. You've got to go into the future. I have seen the Lord. Jesus' death and resurrection conquered sin in order to restore creation and advance God's mission in the world. We all struggle with something. Jesus has won the war over sin and death, but the battle rages on until His return at the second coming. And until that happens, there's still sin at work in our world. We see that every day. We go out to the gardens, we grow in our backyard, and weeds grow up, and we have to tend our gardens. They won't just automatically have all the, the good vegetables and fruit grow. We have to get rid of the weeds. And in the spiritual soil of our heart, weeds pop up and we have to tend to those. And we need Jesus to come in and pluck those weeds for us. Areas that need healing. Attitudes that need changing. Relationships that need restoring sins that need repentance. The garden of our heart. Jesus will go back to the garden of our heart as many times as necessary to pull out those weeds so that we can advance God's mission in the world. As our trip this morning 
comes to an end. I hope and pray that it was worth it for you to go back to the garden. For Jesus is not in the, in the tomb. That's why it's empty. He is risen. He is not here. He is not in the grave. He is alive. Waiting to call each one of us by name. Ready, willing, and able to turn all of our sunsets into sunrises. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let us pray.